Hello, and welcome to What on Earth, the podcast of the Environmental Investigation Agency, or EIA. In 2021, EIA unveiled our first-of-its-kind environmental crime tracker, an open-access online tool to help analyse and better understand wildlife and forest crime around the world. Last year, we updated it to incorporate information on the illegal trade and climate-harming refrigerant gases, and recently we've expanded its capabilities even further, with the addition of a new prosecution's dashboard. I'm Paul Newman, AIA Senior Press and Communications Officer, and joining me today from our Intelligence and Investigations team are Data Manager Royce Toe and Data Analyst Shaliza Malik to talk about the tracker and the value of its new prosecutions feature. Royce, Shaliza, welcome, and thanks for taking the time to share your thoughts with us. Hi, good to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time, and um, let's hope we can make people understand this. <laughs> Royce, perhaps you can start us off with a general introduction to the tracker and its various dashboards. Um, a lot of people won't have seen this tool, so can you tell us what exactly it is and what it's used for? Sure. I mean, the crime tracker is a global tool for people who are interested and are involved in combating illegal ice trade. Uh, we can think of NGOs, policymakers, think tanks, and academics who would like to use the tool. So. Right now, the, the crime tracker is like an umbrella of a number of dashboards uh, right, uh, on the species uh, level. So we have uh, elephant ivories, and which talks about like how the seizure of ivory. And in that, we can actually estimate how many uh, elephant was killed. And then we have rhino, uh, rhino horns to see the uh, rhino horn trade. Asian big cats, we can see that uh, how the seizure, whether it's come from a captive uh, uh, or it's a, it's a wild-caught uh, uh, Asian big cats that got seized at the border. And we have pangolins, that, which is a dashboard which talks about the, um, you know, the seizure, whether it's a pangolin scales or the whole body of a pangolin, because uh, people use uh, pangolins either the scale or the whole body uh, for, for consumptions. And then we expand to something about the refrigerant gas because we, we right now there's a there's upcoming uh, uh, protocol in order to control uh, refrigerant gas, and we also have ex- uh, dashboards about other things about the trade routes and maps, which is uh, where the, where the data came from, and we try to understand how this trade happening, this illegal trades happening around the world. Um, yeah, so just to add some more information to what um, you just spoke about, Royce, um, EIA has been collecting and analysing this wildlife crime data for a while now. Um, so we wanted to make the open source information that we had useful for everyone, um, because it would have been a shame for the data that we had, um, that we had put our effort into collecting for, for it to just sit there and after, after we were done with it, um, which is why the crime tracker came about to be in the first place, um, to act is this global tool that provides open access data and the analytical dashboards that Royce um, has just mentioned. Excellent. And, and, and just to paint a picture in the mind's eye for our listeners, because I'm sure most of them um, or many of them won't have actually visited the tracker. Could you talk us through visually what you see when you're going into it for the first time? And, and you know, if you like, um, give us a sort of a, uh, an example exercise as to how um, you would get information from it. Sure. So if you come to our website and then you will find our crime tracker and the home screen of the crime tracker is tiles of different dashboards uh, with with photos. So in this case, easily, like uh, if you can see elephants, the tiles that would go into the elephants uh, dashboard. And if you go to the rhino uh, picture, you click on it, then you will have uh, 
everything about the Rhino dashboards and so on and so forth. And right now, I mean, we have the uh, prosecution data dashboard that is now the tower itself is actually sit on the bottom middle part of it. So when you click on it, you will come to our new dashboard. Excellent stuff. And, and, and Shaliza, can you tell us what kind of data is collected by EIA for the tracker and, and where do we actually source that information from? Um, yeah, sure. So uh, obviously, given the nature of EIA um, and the purpose of the crime tracker that um, we just spoke about, we look a lot at the wildlife crime data. Um, so this includes uh, incident types such as wildlife seizures, um, theft, so that's like stockpile thefts, legal logging, and also illegal fishing. Um, so Royce mentioned our focal species already. Um, we also, when there are additional species that have been seized alongside our focal species, we also categorize them into our database. Uh, but yeah, as I said, only when they're seized alongside our focal species. Um, so we also look at environmental crime uh, that you mentioned, Paul, in your introduction, like legal refrigerant gas trafficking. So it's not just wildlife crime. So moving on to the data that's actually stored on the crime tracker, that is sourced from uh, publicly available information. So everything on there is open source. Um, we use media articles from global news outlets that are reporting in several languages. Um, we also look at reports from uh, governments and also press releases from agencies and customs agencies as well. We also look at non at non governmental sources like uh, academic papers. And one important source of information we have is that we share and receive data with other civil society organizations who are all acknowledged um, in our agency computer field. Um, so I guess if the listener would want to know more information about the, who is contributing into our tracker, then we do have more details on this and also our other sources. Um, with the, so all of this information can be found in the Crime Tracker's user manual, which can be found in the homepage. Um, also, just whilst we're speaking of the homepage, um, users can also go on there to request any of the raw data that is open source that we are feeding into the Crime Tracker using the request form. Oh, that's, that's um, sorry. Yeah, and no, the sorry gone. <laughs> I'll say that's really helpful. I mean, if if, if it will help yeah. people, I'll, when, I, when I post this up, I'll actually add the link to the um the the tracker landing page as well. Amazing, perfect. Um, so one last thing that I'll mention about the raw data um, is because of how we are collecting and compiling our data, it's important to consider that it doesn't. It's not um, an exhaustive data set, and it likely doesn't represent every like a complete picture so it'll only show a fraction of the actual wildlife crime activity that is going on um this is because the collection of the data that's fed into the crime tracker is very uh reliant on ea cap staff capacity and also other external factors like reporting rates um, reporting biases in different species or even on different geographic regions also uh, we found that data accessibility is quite um difficult we'll, we'll I think we'll cover that in the prosecution uh, data side of things more. Um, and I think the rate of reported seizures is also subject to national law enforcement efforts and their effectiveness, as well as how they're publicizing incidents. And so consequently, this then affects the national media interest um, on how incidents are reported. So that's one of the big challenges that we have in data collection. Um, this obviously isn't like a EIA specific challenge, um, but one thing that we are trying to um, do to overcome this is that we 
regularly exchange data sets with other organizations who are collecting similar data to fill any of the gaps that we have in data collection. Um, so I only mention this because we do welcome any input from others in helping to update our records. So if anyone listening would like to contribute towards our database, then please do get in touch. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that. I'll, um, I'll put an appropriate address in along with the, um, with the, with the link as well. Perfect. Um, Royce, um, given it's already quite extensive in terms of um, the, the area um, covered by the tracker, why have we now created a new prosecutions dashboard? What do you think the value of that will be? I think it's quite, um, quite monumental because what happened is when we see the crime tracker is about the, um, the contraband basically is the species and what's less we have, uh, to do is wanted to know the strength, or sometimes people will usually say it's the deterrence effect of prosecutions. And now we have uh, three used to three pilot countries in order to uh, show that which these countries are Nigeria, Malaysia, and Vietnam. And because we have, you know, because we collect this data and our, and our analysis and to put it into a dashboard, we found that, you know, uh, what we say the post the post incident investigations on wildlife seizure are not that much and and also the um you see the, it's like a funnel so it's like after a seizure maybe a certain people got arrested but ultimately maybe much less of them will be get uh, uh prosecuted and also that we wanted to know that the um the prosecution outcome because we wanted to know the sentencing is it if it is proportional to the crime they committed and also we is the way we see prosecution is also a way we can see one more dimension from the from the country efforts because uh we have seizures means we is show of enforcement uh, strength but we with prosecution we also see the strength of the judicial jurisdictions on combating illegal wildlife trade particularly like the judicial system the 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 prosecutor, the defense counsel, and the judge, everything that happened in the courtroom, the legal system, how the law was written in order to, uh, to, to, to criminalize or how to give sentencing to, to perpetrator and the rule of law from the uh, jurisdictions. And with that, I think this, the aggregation of these uh, information, because if we have uh, information from one country, and then we have much more coming along so that we can start to have an aggregation of understanding how prosecution uh, uh, looks like in, in a number of countries or maybe on a global level even uh, to understand how uh, prosecution is, is part, of the, uh, part of the game in, in, in combating illegal wildlife trade. I just want to, um, sorry, I just want to add something in there as well. Um, I think I don't. I, I think it's important to make a, dis a distinction that having a high number of conviction rates for wildlife crime doesn't necessarily translate to successfully um, dealing with wildlife crime. So I think it's important to make that distinction as well. That yeah, we're seeing a rise in in, in conviction and sentencing, but it doesn't mean that that that's necessarily the right way to deal with wildlife crime. So we just want to make that distinction there as well. Is, is, is the implication of that that the, the higher number of prosecutions might simply be relating to, if you like, the foot soldiers in illegal wildlife trade rather than the people who are actually higher up and organising it? Yeah, I, I think I think that's one way to look at it, and I think it's I think it's important to to have that distinction between having having um, 
just just having that prosecution data it doesn't it doesn't translate into successfully dealing with wildlife trade illegal wildlife trade or something like that Indeed. Um, perhaps you can tell us what kind of new data was actually collected for this um, addition to the tracker. Um, yeah. So just um, in addition to what Royce mentioned as well, I think um, I think the, the, just from looking at the starting at the beginning of the of the project, uh, the story that's reported in media articles often stops at the arrest, as Royce mentioned, and reporting isn't really followed through because there isn't that much appetite, maybe, in conviction details, unless it is a big case, uh, especially compared to other news stories that might be more compelling that are coming out at the same time. Um, so because of this incomplete storytelling, uh, storytelling, sorry, we found that the number of reported convictions in the seizure data generally was way less than the number of reported seizures that we had. Um, so this discrepancy was quite challenging in itself. Um, and there was, I would say that it meant we were st starting from a fairly low baseline of data. So moving on to the actual data collection, I think when when you say that you have three countries to focus on, it sounds like that would be fairly straightforward. But I, but actually, it highlighted to us that each country presents uh, its own unique challenges. So, for example, creating um, the standardized fields that we had uh, to record the different structures of the legislation from each of the three target countries was quite difficult. I'm sure Royce would agree there. <laughs> Um, and, and the way Indeed. that the court case data <laughs> was accessible um, across the different countries uh, was quite different. And that, that meant that we had to apply three different strategies for each of the different countries, which was a challenge that I think we were anticipating, but we didn't really anticipate to the level that, that we had it. Um, so just looking more specifically at our target countries. So court cases in Vietnam are easier to access remotely than those in Nigeria, just, just for a comparison. Um, Vietnam have a few different portals available that are easily to that are easy to search through, um, especially if you speak Vietnamese. Um, if you don't speak Vietnamese like us, then it is time consuming translating the different sections of the website and also the court case documents. So if you're applying like Google Translate or any other automatic uh, translation tool to a website, sometimes it glitches and it won't pick up all the different sections of the website or the document. And so Thankfully for us, we had an amazing consultant who could speak Vietnamese um, and she basically went through all these portals and she found us new ones as well. So she used um, Vietnamese search terms and she also had extensive knowledge of the Vietnamese legislation, which quite, was quite useful for us. Um, and it saves us <laughs> a lot of time as well, because if I had done it with no Vietnamese skills, then that would have taken me a very long time. Um, so if you compare this to Nigeria, you're not able to access court cases online and permissions to access the data has to be sought through writing to relevant agencies and departments, which can be quite time consuming. Um, so, so the challenges that we had, it, we had in Nigeria was very different to those in Vietnam. Um, for our third uh, country in Malaysia, we were quite lucky to collaborate with our project partner, Justice for Wildlife Malaysia, um, and they devoted a lot of time and effort in finding prosecution uh, cases in Malaysia. But, however, the challenges that, that they uh, 
faced through the feedback that they gave back to us was that different law enforcement agencies hold uh, records differently and there isn't really a shared location or a centralized database, I guess, where, where people are recording court cases in a standardized manner. And I think um, gaining the correct permissions and cross-referencing across different sources, I think that's something that they found quite challenging um, and finding accuracies in the data and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I think um, in terms of maintaining as well, um, on the prosecution side of things, I think we're hoping that with more funding, we're able to add more countries to the dashboard. I think uh, one thing that we all know is that finding this funding is quite hard. <laughs> um, and also now that the prosecution fields are very much a part of our data entry forms, um, any any source prosecution data relating to our target countries that are added into our database will be automatically fed into the prosecution dashboard. So we're hoping that will help with, maintain, well, with maintaining it in some way. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and and we, we did touch on this somewhat at the outset. Um, in, in terms of um, what the practical uh, value of the tracker and its um, the, the information it contains, what would people typically be able to use it for? Um, and, and, and in a way, what, what will the, be the benefit of adding the prosecution's um, dashboard? Sure. I mean, what happened is that we, we wanted to create a dashboard so that people can contextualize that uh, how many prosecution is related to illegal wildlife trade. And in that, we can able to see uh, how many people are in between different countries are prosecuted and also related which kind of illegal wildlife trade products. So for example, in, in the prosecution tracker dashboard, we have, um, we actually have uh, like 50, 40 to 50% of the space with a visual of a map so that you can see the bigger the bubble, we have more data about the prosecutions. And we also have a ribbon graph uh, on below that we have, we can see how, which is actually a stack bar chart to see different components of the uh, illegal wild trade per year and how it's changed over time so that we can able to see uh, how prosecutions are related to different species category. And along there, I think, I think what Solution says is, is something we also wanted to emphasize that prosecution alone does not see the, able to see the whole picture of it. But nonetheless, we wanted to show the, the, the proportion, like how many people arrested and how many people got convicted. Uh, so we have a pie chart, uh, a donor chart to show that. And also because we start to have more data about prosecution, in three countries right now we have, we are able to categorize this into charge categories so that we can start to understand what kind of, 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 of legislation, or what kind of charge was given to the, to, the, to the person. And then we have some numbers uh, to show that like out of so many seizure incidents, how many of them are got uh, to a prosecution uh, stage. And we also wanted to know, okay, if that person or so and so, what is the aggregator? What is the uh, the imprisonment or the, what's the sentencing or fine that that was given? So these are the things that we got interested into understanding how prosecution come into play uh, after a seizure happened uh, in order to combat illegal wildlife trade as part of the piece of a jigsaw puzzle of how we combat illegal wildlife trade. Um, so that's how we wanted to understand. 
Excellent, thank you. And and who do you think this tracker would be of particular use for? Are we, are we thinking about um, other researchers like yourselves? Or are we talking about journalists, NGOs, governments? Who, who would we want to be using it? Yeah, we over the years, I mean, EIA has been uh, uh, got requests from other organisations for sharing data, and what and if you wanted to to put into uh, uh, segments, we we see uh, other. Uh, NGOs uh, in environmental NGOs. We have policymakers, uh, think tanks, academics, who each of them actually pay, playing their part in, in in combating illegal wildlife trade. Either you are within the uh, uh, the government or, or the jurisdiction, try to understand how to contextualize, or academics wanted to to understand like through through uh, data over the years how. The effectiveness, or how how these prosecutions or other seizures come into play in 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 combating illegal wildlife trade, and I think most importantly as well is that sometimes it's just the policymaker, so that we can start to understand each piece of this data and how to provide a, a better policy on 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 cropping illegal wildlife trade in in future. So these are some of the people because we 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 know who the data we requested. Uh, Asked from, and we also ask them for for data. And over the years, we we know that um, there's a flow of data, and we've tried to create new tools for people can easily uh, come to our website and check and to see for themselves. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. Um, can I also just add in some more things about the tracker? I think one one thing that that um, Royce put a lot of effort into designing was the uh, was the quick analysis in the left hand side pane. So it's just some t it's some text which is automated based on the filters that you select, and I think that's quite useful for our users to refer to for some quick analysis. In addition to the um, analysis on the left hand side, we also have some categories of charges that we came up with, for example, um, illegal harvest or unlawful possession of protected species, illegal transportation trafficking. So these are just categories that we came up with. So we were looking at legislation for, across our three target countries, and we were thinking of a way that we can make it easier to, to have like a standardized comparison for our analysis. So that's where those categories have come from. Um, so just wanted to highlight those as well. Just talk a little bit about the design. So we actually collect a lot of uh, data and on the per charge level, and we actually seeing from this data, we created a few five elements of visuals. Basically, we have maps, we have uh, ribbon graph, uh, pie charts, uh, bar charts, and words. So these are the things that we overlay on the dashboard so people can see see the data and we actually try to utilize as much data as possible into different uh, visualizations and particularly i think we we also put a lot of emphasis into uh, putting it into different sections and maybe this is a little bit trivial but we we tend to use a lot of <laughs> uh, uh, rounded corners of rectangles so it's more approachable for for people to see in addition i mean if you see the whole um, dashboard, there's only one place that is red color. So that is like one, one of the things we want to capture people's attention. So that is like the prosecution. Uh, and one of the early feedback from, from, from our user is saying that the dashboard itself at a glance is some seems like really able to grasp what's, what's it's about. And then people can start to look into the details and to read through, to dig through what the, the interesting point of the dashboard. 
So there are a lot of emphasis uh, spending energy on understanding how to design a dashboard so they're easy for, for the eyes to see, um, but not too overwhelming. I guess so that's inviting to use and is it going to terrify people with way too much information up front, yeah? Indeed, indeed, there's a balance of, of these uh, elements of data and visualization. Well, it, it sounds like an enormous amount of work has gone into this um, in the, since we started it back in 2021. Um, as a final point, just looking ahead, given how much it's expanded since we launched it, um, what do you both anticipate will be the next steps for the crime tracker and prosecutions dashboard? Sure. I think if you see it, the, the, we, we are just getting started. I think the, we have created a framework. It's not just for the three target countries we just mentioned. In fact, the whole framework is able to is fully capable to, to include all other countries as well. So I think the next step here is to have more uh, data so that we can show uh, more data and then the data will, itself will be much more uh, vivid. Uh, and the next step here is that we also want to have feedback from, from users so that we can know what the thing about is to refine this dashboard and also to create more other tools for people to, to, to visualize uh, this information. So yeah, I mean, as what Salisha, I think Salisha will talk a lot is about we need uh, more funding. I think there's a, there's a, there's a more uh, way we can do this uh, better and there are other other uh, ideas in our mind for for other uh, dashboards that we try to design um yep i'm i'm always happy to talk about more funding <laughs> um if anyone has any funding ideas please <laughs> no i'm kidding um so yeah i i guess i just i'll just echo everything that roy said um I think from initial feedback that we've had from other civil society organizations that we work um, sometimes alongside with, um, it has, we, I think the initial feedback has put emphasis on the prosecution dimension of um, seizures. And I think it would benefit our understanding of what happens after that uh, arrest point or seizure point um, relating to wildlife crime. Um, also, just for the tracker, we are hoping to introduce other types of environmental crime. So right now we have refrigerant gases. So we're hoping to introduce more of those crimes. Um, and in the meantime, I guess it's also it's also good to talk about the feedback. So we're all, always keen to receive feedback on ways that we can improve the crime tracker and our dashboards. Um, and also, if anyone has any ideas on new visuals that could be of benefit to them, um, that would be really helpful for us to hear. So feedback forms can be found on our homepage. Um, it would be very helpful to hear from our users on their experience with the crime tracker and also see how we can improve it. So that would be that would be very much appreciated. Excellent stuff. Well, I'm sure they'll be um, beating a path to your door once they try that. I'm sure. <laughs> well, Royce, Shaliza, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please watch this space for future episodes and check out our website at aa-international.org to find out more about our work. Thanks for joining us and wherever you are, stay safe out there.